Anyway, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I'll cut this all out because uh, <laughs> it, makes it, it makes it sound like we don't know what we're talking about. Whereas, if yeah, yeah did, I, I'm not <laughs> sure what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. I'll freely admit it. People need ordering principles. Twelve rules. Hello, welcome to Twelve Rules for What. My name is Sam, uh, and we're here today with uh, the. All of the people who are on The Empire Never Ended, which is a really great podcast um, covering... Uh, it is genuinely really good. Um, I don't say that about many podcasts. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. I'm pretty uh, yeah, pretty anti-podcasts in general. We, we actually were looking around for people to interview because we had Alder and Nine Angles come up a lot uh, recently, and you were recommended by like multiple different people we asked. So we thought you were kind of homing in on like the one place where we're going to get decent answers oh that's nice so uh are you sure you we don't get decent answers, one of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> we asked all three of you and uh, yeah yeah we all agreed <laughs> two two of the three of us thought we have a great podcast <laughs> yeah that's better that's a better ratio than uh, than we get um so we're here to talk about as we've already given the game away uh the order of the nine angles um which we talked about extremely briefly on a previous podcast with uh joe mulholt um, where I said that it wasn't a real thing, and of course, I was wrong. You know, You're not totally that. wrong. You're yeah, like, you know, I mean, well, I mean, it's a I, thing. Is it, is it a real <laughs> thing enough that it should be the question? I think I suppose the question we want to answer today is: It a real thing enough that it uh, like needs or should be uh, prescribed by the British state, which is what uh, Joe Mulhall's uh, organization, Hope Not Hate, ever been like? extensively pushing and getting all their Labour MP friends to push too. Right. And we've seen like official letters from very serious people on select committees saying, you must ban this group completely and make it illegal to be a member. And we thought that's quite a serious step. Um, you know, prescription carries, I don't know how familiar you are with English prescription laws, but if you if a group gets banned, then even staying a member of the group carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. And um, or uh, offering offering moral support to members of the group. Oh, really? Ten That's years it. in prison. So saying, so for example, if I, okay, I'm being very careful with my words, but if there was a prescribed group and I said, I support this group, then I could be liable for m- many years in prison, basically. Uh, we're fucked then. We made this whole Nexian called the CBC Lodge uh, explicitly to <laughs> offer moral support. You can't come to the UK, but you can do that wherever you are. Uh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so just to make the point, uh, you know, the, uh, this week the government is proposing to prescribe Hamas. So, you know, here's like, you know, very real sovereign government of a territory that's very relevant. So this is the level we're talking about. Um, yeah. I think okay. Hamas is a real thing. That's my my yes, position. On Hamas are real. Yeah. They are at least real. Is George Galloway still a thing? Um, he, he, uh, surprisingly so. Uh, you'd be really. It's really oh, shocking, he, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, he'll be he'll be in trouble if that happens. Huh? <laughs> um, so I think I think maybe the the best place to begin is with the exceptionally general question, which is what are we talking about? Uh, what is the order of the nine angles? It's a real thing. We've established that much, or maybe it <laughs> is, or it's kind of real. But like, let's get into the content. What is this thing that we're talking about. Go ahead, Fritz. I think this yeah? is your uh, wheelhouse. All right. Uh, this is all. This is not my wheelhouse. You guys are <laughs> passing it off to me like I'm the freak here. 
y'all brought me onto this fucking project. Um, That's true. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Order of Nine Angles. Basically, all right. The ONNA is uh, is a neo-Nazi group first and foremost, and what they do is they use this like highly derivative, unoriginal, and intentionally, I would say, very confusing body of occult writings to mystify what is more or less basic standard Nazi garbage. And uh, they tend to be organized into little groups called Nexians, and all of these groups are beholden to the authoritative writings of uh, Anton Long, who is actually uh, an English gentleman named David Myatt, um, uh, which, uh, I don't know, you guys have like libel laws and shit, but uh, I don't, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. Anton Long is David Myatt. Um, he also calls himself like Stephen Brown at times. Uh, pretty sure he's this like Rachel Sterling when he wants to be. Who knows how many other names? And um, they've been an important part of like a lot of kind of contemporary neo-Nazi groups, especially those that grew out of Iron March, the big chat board that used to be around, even though the founder, Slavros, always hated them. Um, and uh, I don't know, at this point, they seem to be like for Nazis, either an object of like ridicule and scorn, or people take them on really like uh, enthusiastically. Uh, I'd say probably a minority does that and um, get really active, etc. And it appeals a lot to like, uh, let's say, neo-Nazi type uh, pagans, esoteric Hitlerists, fascist nihilists, uh, most of these guys on the internet. But unfortunately, um, enough of them do some like in real life stuff to make them uh, an actual concern, let's say, regardless of how stupid and absurd they are. There's still a danger. Yeah, maybe it's also important to add people. that David Mudd has a history, a known history that he doesn't deny inside the British neo-Nazi movement since at least the 60s. Um, and that he was always a part of the more militant and violent side of it. Um, in the since the sixties, he was um, affiliated with the national national socialist movement of Colin Jordan. He claims to have been a, the bodyguard of, of Colin Jordan. Um, in the nineties, he was affiliated. He was a member of the Combat Eighteen terrorist group. Uh, he claims to have been a member of this shadowy group in the 70s and 80s called Column 88, uh, which he, he himself brags was a part of the Gladio network. Um, so he has a, let's say, call it a legitimate neo-Nazi background associated with very militant stuff. And although a he pedigree. denies that he's uh, Anton Long, he inside the Nazi movement, he's been known to be a Satanist since at least the 70s. For example, the neo-Nazi Eddie Morrison kicked him out, out of their group um, because he was a Satanist and he wrote about that in his autobiography. So it was a pretty well-established thing that he was a Satanist decades ago i think it's important to like stress as well that when we're talking about say like colin jordan uh and the national socialist movement um neo-nazi is not uh like a sloppy use of the term right people think uh -huh. oh yeah tony <laughs> robertson is a neo-nazi but there's literally pictures of like colin jordan like in front of a swastika doing the hitler salute he was a nazi he really really was yeah. in fact, i would even maybe suggest that like maybe he wasn't a neo-nazi like colin jordan was just like a nazi because he was kind of in the same yeah. period yeah fair enough um, yeah there's a direct line i mean direct lineage he was a close collaborator of the nazi. american nazi party for example yeah yeah, yeah and there's there's um an amazing picture of him with uh 
his wife on their wedding day mm, yes. and just like uh, getting married and it's like a picture of Hitler in the mm. background just yeah. like on yes. the side. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely extraordinary um, were they the ones that like uh, opened up a finger and dropped blood on a copy of Mein Kampf was that his wedding was yeah that? we've covered actually married. a few I wasn't invited yeah yeah oh you weren't ah <laughs> uh, never mind and I wasn't there you missed it yeah well traffic your d'oeuvres were uh, mm. bizarre <laughs> <laughs> on, on David Meyer I think uh you know, I think Homer here have done reports where they said that he is Anton Long. So I think our libel laws are, I think they haven't been sued just yet by him. So I think uh, that would be interesting if they were. I think uh, there's a reason yeah, yeah, why yeah. they haven't been. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, you, you mentioned the word Nexion earlier, and it's, it's, I think there's often a kind of a, a kind of a trap that you guys actually don't fall into, but like some other, I, I think, people who talk about these kind of very obscure things do is that you kind of have like a a freak of the week kind of podcast or or <laughs> publication in which you get one like satanic uh pedophile nazi whatever you multiply all the crazy ryan fleming. sorry yeah 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 we'll, we'll, we'll ask a question about ryan fleming later but um, um but what you guys do which i really appreciate is trying to set these groups within a wider history deeper history in a wider context that of capitalism um longer history of the nazi movement um, how do we kind of think about um, these kind of very esoteric O9A groups within a wider kind of structure uh, in our analysis? Well, I think that, I mean, to some extent, I've always seen the O9A as my attempt to just fuse neo-Nazi ideology on like these popular neo-pagan ideas that were popular in the 70s and the 60s and 70s in his era, and then just trying to make a Nazi version of that. So, I mean, of course, I mean, there's like a longer esoteric tradition in Nazism, which he taps into as well. But I mean, um, it's, it's certainly just that to me. I mean, it's just a way of kind of pushing neo-Nazi ideas on people that would be otherwise interested in, you know, Satanism or the occult. And, you know, I think it was kind of obscure for a long time and it had a second wind uh, in the 2000s with Iron March with people that maybe aren't necessarily so invested in the occult nature of it, but are just straight up Nazis. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say that, you know, David Mayat is really not an or original in, in any way. For example, in his, you know, occult writings, uh, he steals things from, you know, the Wiccan movement, from the Church of Satan, the Temple of Set, and so on. And likewise, in his, you know, fascist neo-Nazi stuff, he also takes things from other people. So I think the Order of Nine Angles and stuff that, you know, they kind of push... Um, have a lot to do. They are very similar to, for example, what Giulio Sevola proposed after the Second World War. You know, there was this change in the, the fascist movement after the war uh, in, when they became more nihilist. They were very disappointed, I guess, in what happened during the war. And they kind of did, were, they had a crisis. So Evola came up with this idea, you know, that the 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 modern world is so you know it's so far gone and degenerate there's, there's no point in really trying to save anything about it and we should kind of push it more towards the edge and ho and dis help destroy it you know this accelerationist idea and uh, so he evola became a kind of a, an an influence and 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 a spiritual leader of italian young italian 
neo-fascist terrorists in the 60s and 70s and 80s um, and uh, who ex- had this kind of mixture of this kind of nihilist terrorist and fascist outlook. And I think that the, the vibe that, you know, Order of Nine Angles and similar like siege build groups who are influenced by um, David Mayat um, and James Mason have this similar outlook, like um, a more kind of a mixture of nihilism and fascism. I wonder if maybe this kind of gets to the heart of like what these neo-Nazi groups, which are already extremely, obviously very extreme, um, what they are getting out of Satanism or what Satanism is kind of providing for them. Um, what do you think that it is providing for them? What does um, someone who is already committedly a neo-Nazi, for example, a member of Atomwaffen, for example, um, James Cameron Denton, for example, like, what, 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 is, what, is, what is he getting out of um, also aligning himself with the Order of the Nine Angles? I think it has to do with this um, idea that um, I don't know really when this picked up, honestly, but uh, the idea that it, that at least Myatt gets from Spangler, where um, you have this idea of like Magian society as a whole uh, that produced things like both Judaism and Christianity and this um, belief that kind of grew up in previous decades that Christianity was itself somehow like a complex jewish plot but um in uh i think satanism then offers a very like easy kind of like something that somebody with like a you know a high school level intellect would would pick up as a, as a the most extreme possible departure from this uh you know corrupted uh intellectual wimpy society that extends out of the supposed Magian culture or whatever. And their particular interpretation too lends itself well to having a basically a rationale to do whatever you want, right? So they they're they're the ones that take like modern Satanism and then reject the parts that's like, oh, we don't actually do human sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. They say, no, 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 all that's okay. I mean, and it's in fact encouraged, right? So necessary for your uh, ascent through the ranks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so it provides a, a very good rationale to basically do whatever you want, um, which I think fits in very well with this kind of nihilist accelerationist idea that they frequently push. I wonder if like maybe a part of the um, the kind of story might be about the relationship between this is one of our one of the kind of the standard bits we do on the podcast. So regular listeners will have to forgive me. Um, but like maybe it's kind of like a way of differentiating between different forms of extremity uh, on the far right between like means and ends of politics like what are you trying to do so like the means is how you do something and the ends is what you're trying to achieve and on this very very fringe stuff like on the, the extreme far right kind of around these um, siege pilled groups or so on it's almost as if the fixation on the means of politics like the process of doing it becomes so extreme on the violence on the destruction on the, the murder and so on on the the the, you know, the the ability to induce fear in your opponents as a political tactic, the fixation on those kind of things in politics becomes so extreme that you actually forget what it was that you were aiming at. Like you forget what it is that you're trying to achieve with the politics. And so in some ways, like there's a kind of a convoluted tension between means and ends, a kind of a way in which the um, the process of doing politics becomes the end of itself, right? So for example, um, in uh, a bunch of, uh, in, in the literature of the 1970s, kind of terrorist literature, uh, the white nationalist movement of the 1970s, right? The Turner Diaries and so on. Um, 
it isn't clear that there is a political utopia that is aimed at. I mean, there's, there's a race war and you go through the race war. But what happens at the end of that book is that you just have to eat some other white people. Like the white people are kind of cannibalistic <laughs> as themselves. They don't win anything. It's just like a disaster. Yeah. Um, and so it seems like what it's aimed at is not some sort of final state of politics, but just like the, the intensification, 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 intensification. And, and what Satanism seems to provide is a kind of individual psychological tool for explaining that process to yourself of your own like intensification through politics as you become more kind of knotted um more obsessed more fixated and so on aha this is all just a plot right uh, a secret trick that you yourself you can imagine are controlling even as you kind of get carried along by these these set of fixations or obsessions that have come entirely from without you so i'm wondering if it maybe has a kind of a, a psychological kind of like function for these people well, there's something to this because uh, I would say specifically with the O9A, when you really try to get down to what is it they want, like what is the world that's imagined here, um, it's it's not only is it vague, but it's like straight up absurd. I mean, with Maya, we're talking about like the galactic imperium that yeah. will just arise naturally because like Aryans are genetically predisposed to a Faustian ethic of reaching out into the beyond and stuff like that. Or you have, like, again, with Maya, you've got some sort of, like, uh, th this is, I think, one of the big tensions for them as far as utopias go, because they really, they're a lot better with dystopia, right? They're like, Iron Gates is, like, a really nice um, summary. This is the Temple of Blood book. A very nice summary of what they want, you know, which is just, like, random fucking violence run by insane intelligence agencies and stuff like that. But, like, Maya tries to, and really, I think he personally and psychologically needs this. He really wants there to be a good reason to get involved, which where, like, Temple of Blood doesn't even bother with that. They're just, like, become a fucking vampire and murder people. Where, But Maya, it's like, no, we're going towards a galactic imperium or we're going to live in some sort of folk society where the entire government is run by dueling and uh, and some sort of like Aryan honor code and stuff like that. Uh, so again, like these things are they're they're not they're not they're not in any way spelled out. They don't really embody a politic even, um, but they're they're tagged on to the end. So I think you you're onto something here that the the means definitely are what attracts people here. The, yeah. the, the kind of thing with Maya as well is he's, he's similar in many ways to Varg. Although they're slightly very different, he's not. Swag's not necessarily certainness in that they're like ex really extremely racist, like very very racist, but also just massive massive nerds. Like Varg, yes. like yeah. Yeah. invented his <laughs> exactly. own tabletop game in order to be a racist, right? Like it's all these yeah. like, and it's like you set a you set a nerd off to like imagine a world. It gets quite you know it gets he spends a lot of time on it, and if you get a Nazi nerd to do that, he spends more and more you know, and so it's. It's hard. I suppose like, my next question is: I suppose how do we, how do we take what he says? Like, because um, obviously some people are like downloading this stuff on Telegram or wh wherever they're finding it, reading it quite seriously, and then um, either they were going to commit violence and they kind of structured that violence around this thinking, or they were compelled to do the violence from absorbing the material. I probably tend towards the former kind of thing. Um, so how do we take his um, how do we take his writing? How can we understand it as as uh, um, as anti-fascist? I suppose as people who are opposed to to what he's blathering on about. 
Uh, well, maybe we could talk about an episode we did recently, just a little bit, where yeah, we go. looked yeah. at. Okay, so basically, what Maya's on about right now is, I think, probably because you know of this threat of looming prescription, which will put him in a lot of trouble, and you know his like one friend, um, Richard, <laughs> and these people. But uh, uh, basically, what he's trying to convince everybody of now is that not only does the O nine A not exist, this is this is one of his arguments these days, but not only that. But it's uh, it's always been, or it's especially now, depending on at what point you're talking to him, uh, uh, simply a philosophy that is somebody like personally undertakes in order to explore themselves fully and stuff like this. But like I think, um, so we went ahead and <laughs> okay, don't take him seriously <laughs> first of all, but take these people seriously. But his. Um, we took it seriously. We took this claim that it's now a philosophy. And I think uh, as an anti-fascist podcast, um, what we tried to do was show how, in fact, all of it is simply your classic Nazism, just rebranded. So, like, for instance, uh, uh, he, one of the things that comes out of the O9A is this idea of ethical national socialism and the Reichsvolk and stuff like this. Um, that uh, is something that um, Chloe Ortega and Christos Beast um, sort of came up with along with Myatt. Uh, and this is the idea that Nazis were, mis you know, uh, maligned in history, that we don't truly understand the the basics of it. Um, and, and at the heart of this is the idea that the Holocaust is a myth, even if he doesn't really outright say that like he used to back in the day where he would just say it, like you have to stop believing the Holocaust exists if you want to get out into space. This was a very core tenant earlier on, but this hasn't been lost. It's just been like increasingly more subtly rebranded. So I think digging through all that crap and pointing out that it's still just basically highly derivative neo-Nazi garbage is, is an important thing to do regarding the O9A, demystifying them. Um, without without necessarily dismissing them. There have been a spate of kind of murders that have been associated with the Order of the Nine Angles. Is there a particular role that you think that the Order of the Nine Angles is playing here? Should we understand it as the thing that is causing people to commit murder? Or should we understand it as a justification that is piled on top of a uh, existing um, desire for, for violence and so on? So it seems like a bunch of the people who were talking about who have committed murders in the in the name of the Order of the Nine Angles or kind of with reference to them or have kind of when they've been arrested have been discovered to have read this stuff. Um, they seem to have referred um, often it seems like and I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm also not like a, a, an expert on crime or anything. Um, often it seems like they might have done it anyway. <laughs> and so like I'm, I'm wondering, like, yeah. what is the kind of the causal role you see? for the Order of the Nine Angles, in particularly these murders? Well, I would say, uh, I'd be curious to hear what, what Boris and Ray have to say about this too, but my my I would just point out that they, the Order of Nine Angles, if you do want to take it seriously, if you're fucked up enough to take it very seriously and like want to join it and want to ascend in it, they, they're, I mean, culling is really a big deal. Like it's, it is pushed yeah. as a necessary thing you must do in order to continue this process. Now, you know, when they have a public face about it, they'll give you some bullshit about how culling could mean a lot of things. It could be stealing. You know, it depends. <laughs> That's Nicola there. But, uh, but really, like, the text is pretty clear that it is actively encouraged. Now, whether or not these people, I mean, I think, though, on the other hand, you're probably right in the sense that you wouldn't be attracted to this at all if you weren't already really into that kind of thing. So 
I don't know. It's a chicken and egg sort of situation, I'd say. But yeah, I mean, I, I think guess. that if you were going to, if you were interested in committing murder, you'd do it one way or the other, regardless of um, whether the O9A says it's a good thing or not. Um, I think with culling, it becomes difficult to um, know when it's actually being done, you know, if how, how widespread of a practice it actually is. Um, because obviously if you were smart about it, most of them aren't, uh, you wouldn't want it to be discovered. Right. So you wouldn't know if something was a culling or not. Um, but I mean, I mean, Chloe Ortega, for example, back in the like early two thousands had called out a bunch of other own nine, a people being like, well, you guys aren't culling anyone, you know, it's all talk, you know what I mean? Um, which is probably true for a vast majority of them. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, yes. cause it's you know pretty big risk to take to you know become a internal adept you know it's yeah i mean it's very really it's difficult it, <laughs> to to answer this question really because um i mean i don't, i don't think like this is not really i don't see these people as belonging to something that really we can really call a movement uh, they are most of them are really not well at all they're like fucked up people and um, and certainly if they get attached to this kind of ideology and to groups that exist on the internet that push this kind of stuff, and I mean, it's not helping anyone at all. Uh, so I think it, you, we can see, I can see that this could be just in a, in a, in like a, an additional push for them to actually do some things that maybe otherwise they wouldn't do. So, and there are also different uh, kinds of situations here. Like we have people who are explicitly like, members of neo-Nazi terrorist groups like Atomwaffen who killed people, uh, they justify it like through their ideology. So it's a big part of the actual right. murders is the ideology and the order on an angle stuff is a part of it. Then we have some other people who, who are also clearly not well, but who are, were influenced by this in some maybe not so direct way. Like for example, the guy the, who murdered two sisters in Britain, he, he was um, a Satanist uh, who was influenced by this guy, Coating or whatever his name is. That's not his real name anyway. Who, 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 was, who was an ex-member of the Temple of Blood, which was a nexion of the Order of Nine Angles in the States. And who is basically a kind of a, now a scam artist, like kind of a Satanist, almost kind of self-help or you know, something like some version of that guy who's like selling his stuff to people in fucked up people in need. And uh, the murderer strictly like uh, really followed the instructions that this guy was pushing. Like when he, he made a, a deal with a demon in order to get some things like, like, uh, lottery tickets right? yeah something like bizarre like that and made a deal that he will kill women uh, in order to get that and i mean and, and even the, the 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 demon that he made this contact with was the one that this coating guy was pushing as the one that you should address if you have such ambitions and so on so there there's a pretty direct link there so but would this person kill otherwise i mean how, i don't know there's I, I don't think there's a way to really to know that but we can say the same thing too about, for instance, um, anybody involved in like siege culture related yeah. violence or, I mean, going, I mean, like going way back even. I mean, we could ask the same thing about like the order in the States, you know, they, they undertook like a massive terror campaign and like, uh, 
were we we would ask the same question like would they already have done that or did they do it because they became like nihilistic neo-nazis probably both <laughs> yeah i guess the difference between the two things is i mean i i, I appreciate that's a that's a kind of complicating factor but i guess the difference is that is that um, the order was taking place in a situation of the broad white nationalist movement, um, which I feel like this is often a vague kind of thing. But that seems like, you know, quote unquote, kind of a structural condition of like um, the foundation of American society. Whereas um, the order of the nine angles seems like um, uh, an uh, epiphenomena, like a kind of a, a detail, right? And a rather, rather strange detail. But maybe it's not. Maybe I'm kind of. Um, yeah, maybe that's uh, that's not a good way of thinking about it. Maybe it is much more kind of fundamentally rooted or connected to how people conceive of themselves, conceive of their own desires, conceive of their own power over their own desires, and so on. Um, this thing about self-help is really interesting. I mean, we, we often kind of notice like the kind of the bleeding edge of the, of the kind of the um, between the far right and the the, the self-help lot at the kind of the more moderate end of the far right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to have it um, appear at this much more kind of extreme end. Um, and it's the idea of secrecy, like that you wouldn't, you might do calling, but you wouldn't want anyone to find out about it. I think it's also like completely essential. The other place where secrecy uh, emerges in the, the Order of the Nine Angles is in like the idea of insight roles, right? So I was wondering if maybe you could, first of all, tell us what an insight role is. And also perhaps like, do you think that this is just, uh, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a devilishly, I mean, haha, um, a, a devilishly uh, kind of impressive kind of trick, um, if it is so. Do you think that the idea of an insight role is a deliberate ploy to induce a certain level of paranoia amongst people who are outside the North Angles about the scope and power of the organization? Well, I guess to, for the just for what an insight role is first, um, it's uh, this is also part of the whatever sevenfold path the, the the way to ascension uh you are required uh to take something like between was it six months and a year of um active life in a sort of uh life way that you wouldn't pick for yourself otherwise so they advocate for instance if you are somebody who loves chaos then you should become a, a cop and create order or something like that and uh Myatt himself uh, claims to have done a lot of these that he's been like a Buddhist monk. He's been like a jihadi. He's gone all the way around uh, his, his buddy Christos beast was uh, a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. That was his big insight role for a while. So, um, so that's what an insight role is. Uh, so but, I a quick, quick question. Did anyone yeah. do an insight role in a synagogue? Oh, that's a you good, know what? Good I don't know. That, in all of the texts that I've read about insight roles, it is never mentioned ever. Um, I think that is just yeah. I, I think that would be really interesting. That'd be uh, upping the ante. I think a little bit for too much for them. I I think they might lose members if they did that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so. So, okay, so the, the, the satanic panic question I thought was really interesting. I, I didn't consider that until you asked it, the, whether or not it is itself kind of like part of their, you know, way to spread the black energies around or whatever. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought like, like, I don't know, because it doesn't seem to be, to me, directed necessarily to an outside viewer. It's very, very uh, much part of the internal canon and the process of like, making your way through the stages. And I also know that, you know, Myatt uh, in particular 
when he writes, he's very concerned. He claims to be very concerned with this sort of self overcoming. And that's like part of what makes this sort of like, Oh, nine, a superhuman type, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't know that I would go that far exactly. Like it's, um, uh, I think maybe though, when you mentioned it, I started to think if it, if maybe there's a connection to sort of a family relationship that the O9A and, and similar groups have to in like intelligence agencies and Temple of Blood, for instance, practically worshipped intelligence agencies. It came out recently that Joshua Caleb Sutter was bankrolled by the FBI, you know, and stuff like this. But in Iron Gates, for instance, I mentioned it already, but uh, it's a dystopia based on the rule of an intelligence agency. Like they called their initial publishing outlet something like Angleton imprints with like a big old picture of James Jesus Angleton, the father of Gladio, you know, X2 and all that. Uh, and I know that also we know that like Myatt, perhaps through column 88, like we said, uh, also has this kind of like intelligence type connection, at least peripherally. And so I also wonder if this is like anthropologically, you know, <laughs> if this is, this is also part of their like great fetish. Of, of these like secret state agencies um, and uh, trying to see themselves as sort of becoming more like that. I mean, I think Maher had like a very kind of boring bourgeois life. He obviously has enough money not to like have to work or something like that. So he has enough time to, you know, do, do stupid things. independent means. And so I think that, uh, you know, Inside Trolls is like an attempt to make his life more adventurous um, to, uh, and maybe to make the ideology more attractive to, you know, young people seeking to something, something interesting. Um, and it's a gap year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's exactly right. It's a Nazi Satanist gap year. Yes. Yeah, you go backpacking, uh, in a Buddhist temple somewhere. So yeah, like a, yeah, like a gap year. <laughs> Just on the on the topic of Mike, you got you guys got contacted maybe by him recently, or he like definitely heard your show and like like tried to refute you directly. What's going on with that? It seems oftentimes we talk about these people and we're like they'll never hear or understand it, and they will you know we'll just talk about them as like subjects that we can study. But like oftentimes we've had a few interactions with various Nazis that we've uh, talked about. Yeah, these are the most like thin skinned motherfuckers. Ever. I mean, Seriously, like from the yeah. very beginning of our podcast, we had 09A people like all up in our business. Like and some we, of our first Patreon sure. subscribers were yeah. definitely 09A people. Like yeah. <laughs> anything that comes out about them, they listen to and are very interested in. And then like talking amongst themselves about how, you know, um, we're prejudiced and we get it all wrong because it is essentially to them, you know, the self-help thing. Like they don't understand how like meaningful this is. You know, they they joke about us. And, uh, I, yeah, I think when it eventually got to Myatt, um, he was pretty unhappy about it. And there's some debate as to whether the person that contacted us, uh, that's been in contact with us is actually David Myatt. Um, and we tend to believe that it is given like he has a very characteristic way of writing, um, and, you know, using certain terms that you know, was pretty evident from the first message he ever sent to us. And we know also, and using lots of like Greek and Latin. Um, but I mean, we know also from our research that he 
did this before and he enjoys doing this. Like, you know, he used to go on Stormfront um, and like argue with other Nazis about the O9A. He would go on like religion forums and like argue with people there and challenge them to duels and the like. So, I mean, there's definitely a precedent. It's not like, you know, he, we did something exceptional and, you know, it got his attention. He's, this is what he does. Um, you know, he's an old guy who has a lot of time on his hands and is, as Fritz mentioned, very, very thin skinned. Yeah. This connection with, uh, like Stormfront and other kind of like Nazis is very interesting. How has he been received? How has the order on the land angles been received amongst the more kind of like straightforward organized white nationalist groups, uh, in the U S and elsewhere? Because uh, maybe maybe something we haven't really emphasized is that Maya himself has had a long history within, you kind of mentioned it at the start, but like he was like very involved in Combat 18 and, you know, they were like actually very real, physically placed hooligan terrorist Nazis who did real violence and, you know, were a very well documented kind of group. So, yeah. My impression is that they either love the O9A or they absolutely hate it. Um, Like a joke to to a lot of Nazis. Fritz mentioned that on Iron March, Slavros, the founder, the guy who lives, um, the Uzbek guy in Russia, uh, he hated the O9A. And there were a bunch of other people on Iron March that absolutely detested the O9A. They thought they were a bunch of like pretentious nerds um, and that were all talk and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. On the other hand, you know, some of the more established Nazis are totally fine with it and, you know, they like it and they think that there's, you know, that's another kind of legitimate expression of national socialism or whatever. I think it helps too, that the O9A was like very much involved in Adam Waffen and the base and, and these organizations that got a lot of Nazi cred for being quite active and militant and organized. And uh, I think um, it's been a double-edged sword for, for, kind of every organization the ONA has been in. I mean, uh, but yeah. They also came in for a lot of criticism though, right? So Atom Oh, yeah. And the I mean, they're a both. joke. They're a fucking joke. Like, they're evidently absurd. And like, it, it, it's, uh, and that's what makes me wonder is like, I think probably more Nazis hate them than not or, or think that they're silly than don't. And it really makes you wonder about those Nazis that take them seriously then because like, we're looking at like the, the most absurd of the already incredibly absurd uh yeah i, I mean we've joked about that. it before i mean it's it's it is kind of funny to imagine some of these like you know tough guy like violent nazis like nazi skins or something to like you know sit down and and play the star game and and you right know, yeah, yeah read this like bullshit sci-fi shit about a galactic imperium like they, you know they don't want to do that they want to go out and like hurt people <laughs> you know they don't fucking yeah. sit around but on, on the other the hand game. you know david Matt was able to exist in a group with exactly people like that, you know, in, in combat exactly, 18. Yeah, so yeah. I guess he somehow, you know, they didn't beat him up and throw him out, as you would, you would ex- expect. You know, he served a purpose there and was able to work with them. Well, I think yeah. there's like a really low bar for entry, though, in those groups. I mean, they were like, you know, Nazis <laughs> would really take anybody mm. uh, who's like remotely, you know, mm. on the same page as they are because, you know, there's not that many of them. Right on the same page. Like, uh, I mean, like, they'll take anybody who can read, you know. Right, like right. That, no, I mean they'll be like, you oh, you know, information officer instantly. You're yeah. Like, oh, they're a bunch of nerds, but whatever, you know. Let's mm-hmm. let's keep them around, you know. <laughs> I mean, the criticism that the Atomoff and the base got from other neo-Nazi groups was that they were intelligence agencies. They were fronts. They were set up yeah. by the honeypots, FBI, CIA, who, what have you. 
And I'm kind of wondering, like, or even like KGB, right? Mm. Or uh, what's the other Russian yeah, one? Oh, yeah. FSB. Yeah. Yeah. FSB, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's the other one as well. There's like three or four of them. Anyway. Yeah, um, GRU and... GRU. Yeah, but that's the thing about the base is the base was like, first of all, like Ron Nazaro was a State Department contractor and like his fucking organization seemed to be like just a way to manufacture informants as far as I can tell, you know. But like the thing is, is like why, since when is that a criticism? You know, I mean, like we... We're we're about to cover on our show the ANP, the American Nazi Party, and these guys had uh, they fucking loved the FBI, loved them, you know, like uh, really thought that their relationship with the FBI was very important, you know, and like uh, so I don't know since when have Nazis been against like hooking up with <laughs> the deep state? I don't know. That's news. <laughs> well, this is genuinely kind of confusing to me. Is it because that they think the that they can with the kind of the subtlety and depth of their strategies to extraordinary command of their their powers that these satanists not the american nazi party but the satanists in the order of angles is it because they think that with their kind of extraordinary command of strategy and so on and subtlety that they can outwit the fbi they can outwit the cia or they can use them for their purposes or is it just like a kind of a, a mutual respect i mean if you want to think about someone who has like absolute license to on a global scale uh do whatever they want then the CIA is like probably the best bet for that. So like, you know. Temple of Blood literally said that. I mean, maybe not the CIA. I think they said like the the American military machine or something like that. Like this is why one of the, they advocate uh, doing insight roles in the military, even though it's not at all like faithful to the uh, go somewhere you don't want to be sort of thing. Like they all want to be in the fucking military, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of them, you know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Some... I mean, they they see it like that i think some of them are maybe just dumb enough or crazy enough to think that they can manipulate the intelligence like for example you know it is said that lyndon larouche had uh, regular meetings and briefings in cia and he but he's, was a complete egomaniac so he probably thought that he was somehow using cia for his own movement and i see right. Mayat as that kind of a person maybe because he's completely like nuts and egotistical and in an incredible way so and likes to talk to anyone who would listen to him. So I think he probably wouldn't say no to having such meetings, for example. Um, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, so it depends, like, some are more modest, you know. So Joshua Sutter, who we mentioned, who was a member of Temple of Blood and also one of the leaders of the Atomwaffen until just a few months ago, still, he was, an, as we said, an FBI informant for since 2003. And got a lot of money. And he had a history of it even before that, too, which is yeah. interesting. And uh, basically started his Nazi Satanist publishing house using FBI money. So in a way, he did use FBI for his purposes to push his ideology. I mean, um, was able to, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that uh, the stuff that they published, which included Iron Gates, probably radicalized a lot of people, you know, and it was done by FBI money. So, yeah. Just thinking about uh, as anti-fascists, how we how we kind of factor this into our activism and our opposition. Um, I'm thinking specifically in the UK, we talked about Atomwaffen, but National Action were like kind of the big, really extreme Nazi group that you know was very Hitler worshipping and had some like '09 adherents. Uh, Garen Helm is a guy particularly who was like kind of very talked about, and of course Ryan Fleming, who we briefly mentioned before. And when National Action came to the streets and when they went to do demonstrations and marches, they ended up all basically getting knocked out. There's a very kind of famous 
demonstration for anti-fascist elites in Liverpool where, you know, they were trapped in a lost property cupboard of a train station for hours while they were pelted with stones and people trying to get in were just laid out on the pavement and things like this. And so it kind of, yeah. uh, when they move their activity from, like, just murdering random people or just wanking over Nazi Satanist literature, when they actually come into the streets, they're very successfully opposed. And I wondered how we can, like, factor in the more hidden like less opposable stuff that they're doing. Does that make sense? I think, uh, maybe. I, I think my thoughts went right to um, even outside the O9A, but they went to this point in American fascism that we're coming to now in our, in our current arc on the show, where um, sort of street actions and mass movements start to take a back seat to, let's say, things like leaderless resistance, uh, secret cells, and that kind of thing. So I would probably put it in that context. Um, that is like, it's true that when nobody likes these motherfucking people, you know, and when they come out, usually someone's there to stand against them. So it tactically, it makes sense to sort of go underground and keep yourself quiet. There's a kind of interesting thing, particularly about the base. Uh, I always thought, um, let's assume the base wasn't a honeypot, but it was Ronaldo. I think that's a big assumption, but like <laughs> Ronaldo Nazario was like, you know, sincere in, in wanting to establish the things he said he wanted to establish. He wanted to, for example, um, essentially act as the kind of the paramilitary wing of a program to establish the Northwest Territorial Imperative, right. which is this mm-hmm. um, uh, long-running uh, plan, basically to seed the top six or five or six, I can't remember, nor- most Northwesterly American states from. Uh, the US and make a white ethno state up there. It's the whitest part of the country. Um, for, until like very recently, actually, I say very recently, 1970s, I think Oregon had like a no blacks law or something. Yeah, it's like yeah, completely yeah. Like, yeah. ridiculous. Anyway, so the um, um, the, the idea was to kind of uh, act as for the base was to act as kind of the paramilitary wing of that movement. And I think maybe there's kind of a longer story about uh, the an advent of leaderless resistance, which comes out of uh, the white power movement in 1983. Um, and it's kind of like well after the FBI kind of clamping down on the on the first kind of uh, uh, elaborations of it, and so after that point, there's a kind of a scattering and a kind of a cell based movement, and in some sense, like the the alt right is a distinct acceleration of that cell based movement, right? It's individual people acting entirely alone mm-hmm. in concert on the internet, but nevertheless almost entirely like isolated from each other, and the base is this kind of attempt to reimpose something of the kind of discipline that you might get in those American Nazi party kind of um, cadres um, immediately after the Second World War and trying to reimpose that uh, kind of organizational discipline. And of course, it doesn't work, right? You get all these kind of three guys, uh, was it in Georgia, who were um, arrested or was it Virginia, perhaps? My geography of the US is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. I'm from the States. Mine is too. Okay. Where were they arrested? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There were three young guys. Uh, I think they were in Georgia. Um, oh, oh, okay. This is this is before, following like the DMT goat sacrifice shit. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where the fuck was that? I think that was Georgia. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was it's in the yeah. south somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and and they, um, they no, it was. I think it was Virginia Gun Valley, right? Do you know this this big Virginia gun rally in on early January twenty twenty, uh, just for the pandemic. So the, the basis of this attempt is like reimpose a certain kind of strategy strategy on this isolated groups. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because they have no discipline. They have no like kind of revolutionary commitment. They're just like want the most extreme thing and they want it right now and so yeah. on. So I'm kind of wondering like, do you think Satanism is just like an excuse for that failure to get serious about things, or do you think it's like it's it's a way of like short circuiting the need 
to strategize about politics, to engage with politics on that kind of organizational level? Is it just a way of like allowing yourself to be the most chaotic and violent and like an extreme version of yourself? I mean, I think what's appealing about the 09A to the people that are into it is that it's really open-ended and open to interpretation. So I'm sure there are people in there that think that they are playing 4D chess like Myatt or something, somebody that, you know, could potentially, you know, since they're so smart, you know, manip- you know, get into a mass movement and do something. And then there are also the people that take the, you know, whatever, lone wolf um, terrorism seriously. And, and and it can all exist within the same philosophy, right? I think that's that's what's appealing for them about, about the O9A's um, ideas. But I mean, I think by and large, most of O9A people haven't had um, such um, a strong affiliation with those kind of above ground movements to that extent, or not successfully, really. Right. Um, They are better at just lone wolf bullshit. And I think, though, maybe the insight role functions also as kind of an institutional guide, because uh, you are, when you do that, expected to take that institution seriously and like operate in it correctly. And I think it's telling that uh, really like, okay, the O9, like Adam Waffen wasn't an 09A Nexian, but there were Niners in Atomwaffen that were able to take it in that direction. And that was, you know, more or less an organization with, you know, a, a hierarchy and a set structure. So I think it's, they're not immune to that exactly. It, it does blend together. Although although I think, um, I don't know if, if you're going to want to keep this, but I was just thinking about what you said about the alt-right. And I've been thinking about them since we've done, since we did like our research into stuff like America First back in the day, like the old Lindbergh joint, um, and and kind of on into John Birch and this sort of like path that the alt right seems to be on that path, that is like more of um, more of an, an organic and political kind of American fascism or in, in the states anyway. Whereas I see like these guys being more in sort of the general family tree that sort of Christian identity ended up in, that the militia movement ended up in, that uh, it seems to be more in that direction to me. Um, I think that the thing about the alt-right is that it's actually both of those simultaneously. So I think that the... Um, and it's also... And it's also because it was um, uh, a swarm-based movement, right? They didn't have a kind of coherent structure um, at all, really. The capacity for different parts of that tradition to cross-pollinate to find kind of um, ways of making different segments of the memes work uh, with each other I think is is quite an important part of it maybe I'm focusing a bit too much on the, the kind of the 4chan side of it like uh, uh, like the rather than Alaska kind of meme yeah, magic stuff yeah the meme magic stuff rather than mm. for example uh, you know the National Policy Institute and, and so on but I think that actually when I think about the the successes of the alt-right principle among which is of course the election of, of Trump um I think of that as being powered basically by this like a genuine sense of like countercultural insurgency where those kinds of memes uh, from the, the Christian identity side, I mean, not explicitly Christian identity often um, and not so kind of virulently um, insane as like lots of that stuff is. Um, no. But nevertheless, like that kind of meme making 
uh, seemed like quite an important part of it to me. But I mean, I mean yeah, uh, perhaps not. No, I, I just want to say I don't. I'm not sure that the Nazis were ever really disciplined. Like, you know, like American Nazi Party that I'm reading on now. It was a completely like ridiculous group of like less than twenty guys who were like always drunk, beating each other, beating each other. Up. Yes, uh, beating each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. fantasizing about you know killing people lynching um one of them was a serial killer uh so and and you know uh what what, what? yeah and and satanism was uh <laughs> what you just dropped that in there that wasn't with a serial killer cool, yeah cool, it's cool. a normal serial killer yeah there, there, we talked about I, I forgot his name he, he was the friend of james mason who he's the guy who shot yeah, uh, larry flint over. And he, yeah. uh, Tomasi. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah. no, not not Tomasi. Not Tomasi, no, not Tomasi. Okay, yeah. he, he's he targeted psycho. like, yeah. um, but he wasn't a serial killer. Uh, no, uh, this guy targeted yeah. like uh, inter. Well, we have libel laws over here. Yeah. <laughs> Interracial couples, he was killing, and um, yeah. Uh, but uh, Joseph Paul Franklin. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That, that yes, guy. yes, that's it. That's um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and Satanism was even like, even before the O9A, uh, like with the Church of Satan was deliberately constructed as a kind of social Darwinist ideology, like that, you know, um, the point was like the fact that you are an asshole is not only okay, it makes you superior, you know, you're a better human being for being an asshole. So, and a lot of these people yeah. are assholes. So, you know, being a Satanist gives them a kind of a good rationalization for that. And not only that, but makes them feel they're like, superior people to others and yes. you know and like you know john cameron <laughs> which for nazis is a big deal yes so and you know that john cameron denton who was the leader of atomwaffen who liked to call himself rape he wrote you know well yes i am a sociopath you know he embraced that so i think that you know this kind of satanism gives these people a way um to rationalize their own alienation and to embrace it you know not to reject it and say okay we and not and reject it and also the the system that made them like that in order to create something else but like to embrace it and you know, not and to uh, while while embracing it uh, give themselves a feeling that they are somehow superior or special i was thinking like that lots of the criticism about the order of the nine angles is that they are evil and that they do bad things and it's like well that's the point that's, yeah. yeah that's what they say about themselves that they are the yes. most evil of all the satanists yeah yeah and, and and therefore i feel like the the criticism that they are bad is that kind of misses the point right like it, it, it doesn't right it, it doesn't it doesn't hit anything it doesn't hit the target and maybe the criticism yeah. should be instead the thing we've kind of consistently alluded to which is that actually the forms of violence they propagate are extremely conventional yes yeah right it's like Gendered violence. Okay, well, gender violence is like one of the most like fundamental forms of violence that exists in society. Right? It's just like re it's, it keeps this society alive. It's not some sort of like bulwark against you know Magian influence or like not some sort of Nazarene. Sorry, influence mm -hmm. Nazarene Magian. What what was going on? Okay, okay, okay. Use them interchangeably. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's it's not it's not that that's a way of transforming society. That's what this society is made of. Yeah. Right. So if you want to be deeply deeply complicit in this society. Then you do like oh bad things to women. Yeah, it's like well that's just what the society is built on. So it's it's yeah. it's not that they're doing evil things. It's that the, the 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 scope of their imagination for evil things is just circumscribed to what happens anyway. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. like it's it, 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 it I think I think that that's perhaps like a, a clearer kind of line of attack. Sam, uh, Sam pl yeah. please please don't give them any ideas. You know, <laughs> stop it. They they know. <laughs> 
I mean, like even like we talked about John Cameron Denton just a second ago. Like he he also would say stuff like, "Oh, I hope uh, the fucking FBI contacts me and makes me an informant and stuff like this." Like I think they they at least the the ones that are sort of uh, leading the way, the numinous ones. Um, they're they, they seem to be at least partially conscious that all they really want is an insanely violent state. <laughs> that, like like they have really so i suppose just coming to the end of this interview uh i got coming back to the one of our first things we said about prescription and stuff mm-hmm. you know even hope not here who are the organization that are pushing this call to ban order of nine angles is you know they they kind of said that how big they are is maybe a hundred to maybe two thousand worldwide i don't know where they they must have got that from some scholar or something and it, it feels to me that this kind of setup is so like indistinct, so post-organizational that to ban this thing that people subscribe to seems like uh, A, it would be ineffective and B, it's not a particularly good path to be going down to be banning these kind of more amorphous kind of things that people kind of adhere to. Despite, you know, like, you know, and considering also that kind of murder and rape and paedophilia is already crimes, very bad crimes, right? Like... Yeah. So I wondered what you what your guys' thoughts. I mean, obviously you guys don't come. You're not in the UK. You don't. Prescription is not not so much of a thing. Um, I presume where you're based. So Definitely I just thought not. what what your opinion on this idea that we're going to ban at border and angles, and if you're a member or support them, you get years in prison. Yeah, I mean, we don't really advocate for <laughs> that. I mean, we're not that kind of anti-fascist. Um, we don't really think that that can be resolved through legal means like that. Uh, I think what you said is true. It, it is really difficult with such kind of amorphous groups to really, you know, be able to ban them uh, in such a way. Yeah. Uh it's it's it'll be a difficult undertaking if it does happen. I'm not really sure how that's how that's going to look, you know. But but I think we can say that Mayad is scared shitless of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Which I think that's something. he's really trying to backpedal right now all the like yeah, yeah, extreme yeah. stuff because I mean, well, he's in his 70s now. If he goes away, that's it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so yeah, I mean, he's definitely scared shitless about this. But um, I I mean, the 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 question of membership is interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm not really sure, you know, you can make it illegal in the UK. Sure. But I think that the most active Nexions of the 09A are all out outside of uh, the UK and outside of Europe. I mean, like Brazil, um, there's a lot of like crazy 09A people in Brazil and in South America. Uh, there's some Russia. in the Philippines now, Russia, Montenegro. Um, Montenegro, Italy. Montenegro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that sense, I'm not really sure if that's going to, you know, harm them that much. Yeah. It's 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 hard to say, you know. Cuz it's taken on its own life, you know. It's It's, it's even an open question. It's even an open question of whether or not Maya's even in the UK, like whether or not. Yeah, that's true. We've we've heard yeah. some things. We've heard some <laughs> things. Who knows? You want to speculate? Okay. Um, we heard that he I was think he's Australia. on Saturn. Uh, but... Oh, <laughs> okay, because he makes okay. a big deal out of the Saturn Nexion. I just figured that was his. <laughs> <laughs> on one of the moons or on the gas? Uh, no, it's no. A, I, it's unclear. It's unclear. It's one of the you know he's one of the, the, rings the planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Surfing the rings with Vindex out there on Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so, um, Getting up in our you. DMs in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He could be DMing from anywhere, Saturn included. And avoiding um, our challenge to a rap duel, by the way. I would just like to point that out, that he still hasn't sent us any bars, and dueling is supposed we to be can't, I pain. really, really want to happen. That would be so good. <laughs> but I feel, like, I feel like rap would probably be Jewish somehow, probably. Um, yeah, probably. Well, we I simulated what we think it will be on our Patreon, if anybody wants to give us money. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll now we're getting to the end of the interview, we can do our plugs. Where can people find you uh, on uh, Patreon and podcast places well all the podcast places i think yes. uh but uh we're on patreon.com slash 10 apod t-e-n-e-p-o-d is where we are um yeah that's where our good stuff is cool that's where most um, of by the way like our our like more gossipy 09a stuff is <laughs> so if you if you really want more about this relationship that we've built with these people that's really where you need to go yeah nice. but otherwise we're focusing now on uh the history of u.s fascism Great. Maybe we could have you back uh, to talk about that sometime. Um, Definitely. We, for our plugs, what should we plug? We, our book. You can go buy it. Go buy it now. Dog Section Press. I don't know. I'm nodding. Uh, you can't see Yeah, you're that. nodding. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. buy it. We go got on. a chapter. It's not a big reader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did all the writing and Sam did the nodding. That's <laughs> good, good. Yeah. That's my job here at the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. Uh, thank thanks you very listening. much. Thank and you. Bye. Yeah, thanks for having us. Bye, guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed that, then you can go over to Patreon, where we now have a whole bunch of more premium episodes and essays and other things like that. We're also starting a book club for people who want to get more into this stuff. You can read along with us. We'll talk about it. We'll have regular Zoom calls. It'll be great fun. And on the higher tier, we'll even send you a copy of our two books when they drop. That's patreon.com slash 12 rules for what. All the support we get means a lot to us and it really does help us grow this project. And thanks a lot for listening again and I'll see you very soon. Silver Threads, Still Walking, Still Waking is co-hosted by me, Carla Bergman. And me, Eleanor Goldfield. This is where we interview long-term organizers and radicals about their watershed moments, what they've learned along the way and how they maintain their hope on this path. Dreaming and building emergent worlds for a present and future anchored in justice and freedom for all. Because there are forks in the road, but they all lead us home to the fight, to the build. 12 rules. <laughs> <laughs>